there is a small park here on my left next to the road. And it's such a difference with just a few weeks ago when this was all covered in snow and ice. And now it's green grass and tons and tons of tiny little flowers that are starting to emerge. You've got the little white ones and then the purple ones, which I really love. And I think that in a few days from now, this entire uh, field of grass will be covered in all these different colors. And it's a sign that springtime is coming, even though I know from experience that these flowers alone are not going to make the winter go away. That will probably still take a few more months. But the first signs are there. And I love it because I am, I'm quite done with winter, even though we didn't have a very um, severe winter. But it's always after the new year. I'm starting to long for, for springtime, not even summertime, especially because recently the summers have been so hot and muggy. But springtime for me is, is the season of hope, of new life. Of, it just gives me a lot of energy. Also, the fact that we get more daylight, it has a, a physical impact on how I feel and, and also on my work. Because the better I feel, of course, the more I have energy and the more I have ideas for, for what I do. So I'm super happy that this morning I even have a little bit of sunshine here on my right sun is piercing through the clouds and there are just a few tiny patches of blue sky. I'm not complaining. This is, this is great. And today I would love to take you with me to the woods. We're going to turn the corner here in a minute and move away from the sound of the cars that are passing by. And I would like to address a question that it's a personal question. And it's also a question that I encounter time and again, especially in the comments on the videos that I post. And that question is, should I read or listen to or watch content that may be dangerous for my faith? That's often how it's formulated. I might put it in different words, but the idea is... Um, shouldn't, shouldn't I be careful with what I consume in terms of media because some of the contents of uh, books or comics or TV shows or, or movies or even video games may actually influence me to a point that it, it could hurt me. It could hurt my beliefs. It could... Um, maybe help, help erode certain convictions that I hold dear. So isn't it better to just steer away from that? Um, I get this question a lot on TikTok. Um, you may have seen that I've been posting some new videos there. Uh, and a lot of those videos are the same format that I've used for a number of months now, where... I'm watching a certain season of a television show, an anime show, and then I add my commentary, but I also try to always relate it to what makes me stand out from all the other commentators 
on social media, and that is to explain uh, what I see or what I perceive in terms of themes or important moral choices from my perspective as a Catholic priest. It's not to say that I uh, blatantly evangelize in those videos. Um, so this is the only interpretation. Now, I always tell my, my followers, this is how I, as a Catholic priest, and I'm well aware of how much that colors my perception of, of the world around me, what I, what I notice. But I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you to share my point of view. I just want to share this as, well, this is how a priest, maybe that's of interest to you. Maybe this is how a priest watches these anime series. And I think that attitude is reflective of my whole mindset that I've had since I started this media adventure in 2005 with my first podcast. It was always with the aim of sharing and not trying to convince people or to um, somehow force them to adopt my point of view. I'm, I'm, I'm very allergic to that kind of attitude because I've seen that uh, with other people and other news media that, that try to do that to me. And I really hate it when people, when I don't feel free anymore to just form my own opinion. And as soon as someone wags a finger at me and says, well, what you believe is wrong and you, this is what you should believe, I, I put up my, my walls, my defenses. And so knowing that from my own reaction, I also realize that this is, this could be the unintended consequence of a similar attitude from my, from my part. So I always try to um, convey a sense of, you know, I'm just watching this stuff just like you are and let's talk about it. But it's okay if you have an opinion that is different from me. Or, I'm also here, I'm not here just to teach, but I'm here also to learn and to learn from you. And I mean that and it's actually what's happening through this ongoing dialogue, I'm going to turn to the right because as you, as you may hear, there are quite a few excited dogs here on my left. They are all starting their walk with their owners and there are at least 10 of them there. They're all running around each other. So I will just leave them <laughs> in peace and, and, and turn to the right here. And with this detour, I can probably out outrun them. I'm not going to run, but <laughs> I'm going faster than these dogs. And so uh, I'll hopefully have the woods for myself and for, for us, right, for our conversation. Um, so by I hope that by creating this um, relaxed atmosphere of exchange, we can all learn in this process of discernment of things that are important. And, uh, and having a common, a common uh, area of interest, in this case on TikTok, it's anime mostly, um, it, it really helps because it, it makes what I share relatable and vice versa. So um, the, the thing is, for a lot of these people that follow me, especially on these video platforms, it is still one of the reasons I think that they like to follow me is the disconnect. <laughs> that I represent between a man of the cloth, as some people call it, and this world of, 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 of modern media, of, of uh, you know, a different type of culture than that of the church. 
and they like the contrast and they also seem to appreciate especially my kind of laid-back attitude in this uh, very quickly the majority of those followers know that I'm not there to convert them or anything uh, I'm, I'm just uh, hopefully an interesting friendly neighborhood priest <laughs> that, they, that, that has you know hobbies in common with them but because of this um, this attitude I get a lot of reactions that say well this is so different from the religious authorities that I've had in my life uh, be it parents or educators um, uh, some of my followers have been in, in very strict Christian schools or Catholic schools and uh, and also from leaders of the congregation that they belong to. Um, as you can imagine, statistically, a lot of my American followers have some sort of religious background in their education. So they've, because <laughs> for a long time the United States was a predominantly Christian country, at least a country with Christian, a Christian culture, and also a certain Christian dominance in, in daily life. Parishes run schools and uh, a lot of the politicians on both sides um, always define themselves as, as Christians, whether their values, their political values reflect that. That's, an, that's a whole other topic. But anyway, for the, it's still something that a lot of people in the U.S. find very normal, that you have some kind of Christian background or allegiance to, to uh, certain den denominations. But from a lot of these younger people, I hear that that was something that they left behind because there would be this constant um, attempt to oppose the dominant culture and to create identity markers. That's my term. So to, to use certain stances towards modern culture that are contrasting with the values that you see in these modern media. And it's a way to mark your own identity. So instead of having to spend a lot of time explaining what you believe in, it's, it's, a, it's a way to define yourself by saying what you're not and who you don't want to belong to and which culture you don't want to be part of. And as a, one of those identity markers can often be an aversion to modern storytelling, especially certain books, certain, certain TV shows or movies, or even like entire media channels that are defined as, you know, this is not, if you're a Christian, you're not going to watch this. The thing is, a lot of these kids have grown up um, in a, like, divided between these two worlds. They are, in, they are part of both worlds. They have that religious background, mostly because of their parents. They went to church as a child. They maybe even went to Sunday school or some kind of catechesis class, or maybe they were in a Christian college. But they're also very much part of this modern culture, this, uh, this, this almost global media culture that sometimes values things differently, tells different types of stories. And 
it, a lot of these kids have stepped away from their Christian background because they felt it was too restrictive. They were constantly being told what to read and what not to read, what, you, what video games you could play and what not. And they're very surprised to see someone that they initially identify with that world that they left behind all of a sudden in their own world, in their, in their point, you know, sharing their point of view, their perspective, not being afraid of, of modern storytelling and, and also not afraid of dialogue. And so I get a lot of questions like, is it, <laughs> because even though they may have said goodbye to that Christian background, that influence is still there. And, and I think that's very human, even though we may have stepped away from certain things that our parents valued, we still have a lot of their thinking in our own minds. It's just because you've been hearing uh, that perspective for so long, it's almost subconsciously you, you, you still ask yourself the same questions. Is this okay? Would my parents approve? Would God approve? And if so, is, is, which God are we talking about? Is it the God of my parents and the God of, the, uh, of my local denomination? Or is it the God that I believe in? Or whatever. It's all these complicated questions. So they often ask me for permission <laughs> to play a certain video game or to watch a certain series, especially with, of course, as you can imagine, the world of anime uh, has a lot of very, um, you know, good stories and but also a lot of violent stories in, in that respect. It's anime stands for animation, and it's just as diverse as, you know, the world of books, where you can have very uplifting, positive books and books that are, you know, rotten to the core, and you should avoid it at all costs. But <laughs> just kidding. But it's funny to see that they go come to me for permission, and, and they ask me, is it okay if I play like the other day? There was this kid asked me if, if it's okay to play God of War because I, I assume it's got the word God in the title and war and you know it's probably not the Christian God that we're talking about so is that okay so I said hey I, I played a couple of those games these are stories <laughs> you know it's fiction I don't see why that wouldn't be okay but I can also see why you asked that question and at the beginning of this this walk, I told you that this was also a personal question. And let me explain that. Um, I, I often wonder, uh, how much have I been growing up and, and developing my vocation, my own worldview, in a bubble or not? I've always, when you grow up, you think that you... The, the world you, you grow up in, the, the beliefs of your parents, the, the church that you go to, that that is the norm. But everybody else, of course, obviously is wrong. And I'm talking about how I used to think as a teenager. If only everybody would go to the Catholic church on Sunday morning and would uh, listen to the preaching of the Catholic Church, then there will be world peace and it would be the most amazing world. It would be heaven on earth. As this very naive view, I think. <laughs> naive because just, that's just not how faith usually works in, in our complicated world. 
is this idea that if only we all agree on the same things, and then that's the only way to get along with each other. And this was even, um, to a certain extent, encouraged, especially by my father, who always enjoyed making fun of non-Catholics. Um, we lived in a neighborhood where there were a few people in, in the, that part of the town where we lived that went to church like we did, but also a lot of people that never went to church, didn't believe in anything, according to him. And then the, the, for him, the most egregious members of that local community were the, like the strict Protestants, the people that, like, because of their beliefs, don't think that they are allowed to have a television, um, they don't work on Sunday. It's even forbidden to eat an ice to, to buy an ice cream on Sundays because then you let someone else work, and that person would sin against God, who had said that Sunday should be a, a day of rest. You should go to church, etc., etc. And he always would do that in a slightly like it was. It, he was using humor, but at the same time, I think. He truly believed that it, it wasn't okay to be a Protestant. And uh, these people were just wrong. And if only everybody would be as relaxed. Hey, doggy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> There's a labradoodle walking around here all by himself. Oh, there's his or her owner. Oh, so interesting. So interesting. <laughs> it's not a toy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the uh, traditional magnetism on dogs. They should have a podcast for dogs now that I think of it. You could become a millionaire because there's so many dogs out there that seem to love podcasting. <laughs> you, it's a, it's a, a real opportunity. Anyway, so um, my, my barking is not as good as it used to be, so I'm not sure if they would listen. The, the, so the undertone was like, mm, if only everybody would be Catholic, that would be much better for, for these people. You know, it was in a certain way also a bit pretentious and judge, judgmental. You know? Well, they're Christians, but they're not Catholic, so eh, let's say, we, we should pity them. But he will, would always do the like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like I, I, he, because he felt that it was actually not something you could say out loud, so he used humor. And so I grew up in that, in that, that kind of world. Once I went to high school, of course, everything changed because the majority of my classmates did not go to church, and maybe they, they believed in God in, in their own way, but for me it, it was... It was it was invisible also because we 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 never talked about that. It, we talked about computers and <laughs> and games and sports maybe not me but regular kids <laughs> and uh, faith was something that you never taught. It was felt to be too personal and also maybe a little bit risky to talk about faith because it's such a contentious topic and so let's avoid it altogether and. Um, maintain world peace like that. <laughs> but uh, that was 
at that time, especially when I was about 16, 17 years old, I started to ask myself, so do I truly believe what the faith that I grew up in? Or is it all just fiction and is it all relative to, you know, the culture you grew up in? And then in, I, in my mind back then was, well, yeah, maybe I've grown up in a very Catholic environment, but ultimately, isn't faith supposed to be also about the truth? And it's either this or that. Either God exists or he doesn't exist. If he doesn't exist, then faith is just a fairy tale and the Bible is a nice storybook. But if he does exist, then hmm, that, that actually should have consequences. And so I was very much torn between. And I didn't really know what, where I stood in that, whether I was among... You know, the, of course, I grew up in a, a very open school system and uh, I, I loved science and astronomy, etc. So but my mindset was very secular to a certain extent. I loved, you know, all sorts of movies and TV shows. At home, we could read anything. We could watch anything. My, my parents were, in that respect, I think, very open. They always told us, you know we are not going to tell you what you should read or what you shouldn't read, but what we do ask of you is that you always justify your point of view. You, you're, it's okay to not, to not agree with what, what we say or what someone else says, but you always need to have arguments. It can't just be based on, well, this is just a hunch, this is just what I feel. Because then you, you, you can't have a dialogue. You can only discuss the merits of what you believe in and what you stand for if you can give reasons for what you believe and i i think that's actually a very profound catholic attitude where faith is not just a feeling but it's also something that engages your your mind your intellect and uh, and you should ask yourself questions and you should try to reason you can't really prove <laughs> a lot of the things in faith, but you can definitely reason, you can give reasons why you believe. So anyway, we had discussions like that, and and I'm still, until today, super happy that I didn't grow up with parents that would restrict us in that way. They They felt that it was actually very healthy for us to just go and examine everything. Um... But with discernment and also with an effort to reason, to find reasons to believe and to, um, to be able to, to explain why you, why you stand for what you believe in. So, but this was obviously not the norm. There are lots of parents that are very directive when it comes to uh, what their kids are allowed to to watch and whatnot, and uh, and so later on when I went to seminary, of course, what I always tried to do was to maintain that attitude. It's like, okay, um, it's not that because I entered seminary I was all of a sudden certain of everything that that I had received from my parents and from the church that I belonged to, but I was always looking for reasons to believe that and to learn this was one of the reasons that I was so fascinated by philosophy and later on by theology 
it gave me the tools to approach my own faith, which of course was communicated on a not non-intellectual level, but to think it through and to always confront my own beliefs and the values that are inherent to the faith community of the Catholic Church to, to, to always enter into a dialogue with other points of view. And this is why, for me, philosophy was such a, an important foundation um, for the rest of my life, uh, because it, it opened me to all these different ways of looking at the world and answering the big questions in life. And I was fascinated by that. And it was still happening in a very academic setting. So I didn't have to be afraid that my teachers were going to convince me of you know, the opposite of what I believed in. No, it was always like, like let's just examine. Let's see what the reasoning is here. Let's learn from this. And later on in theology, it was even stronger, of course, where you were constantly challenged to also revise your own opinion of the faith that you grew up with and to test it. Is this truly tenable? And especially, this is why um, still every time I read the Bible, I do this realizing that I don't know very much about this book that is so foundational to Christianity uh, because it's not just one book. It's this, this centuries-old tradition that started as a narrative tradition, later on was put to, um, in, in writing, and how much the Bible itself contains so many different layers of storytelling where oftentimes uh, the facts may be somewhere there, but what's much more important is the interpretation and how people in certain eras used those stories that had been handed over to them and apply them to current day situations. And uh, so you see those, hello, <laughs> you see those interpretations also shine through in what is emphasized and what not, what is left out and what is not. Even in the New Testament, this is the case where obviously uh, the gospel as it is written down by John, is very different from the one that was written down by Mark. Why? Because there are decades between these two, and even between the time that Jesus lived and the time of uh, the evangelist Mark writing down his early version of the gospel, that was long after Jesus died. And so there are already layers of interpretation there. Matthew and Luke take that gospel and, and reframe it to a certain extent, tell these stories differently, because they had a different audience. They wanted to make sure that, that, that the story of Jesus and his teachings would resonate and would help the people that they were speaking to. So knowing of the genesis of the Bible and uh, all these different layers, that makes me very humble when it comes to this attitude like, oh, this is, you know, this is true and this is not. Even in philosophy, I would say there's much more that I can say that I don't know than what I can say that I can affirm. It doesn't mean that any search for the truth is, is, is relative and we never know, etc., etc. No, I, I, I still think that, that reflection and dialogue and thinking and asking questions and also daring to ask questions about your, your own beliefs is super healthy. And is important, and it was always part of the Jewish tradition. It was like the art of asking 
important questions and maybe not immediately answer it with a cookie cutter reply. I think that that is a, an attitude that will ultimately bring you much more wisdom than trying to shut out anything that could go against what you think is the truth or what people should believe because it's oftentimes the way you look at the normative side of faith when it comes to your, your, your own beliefs and like, oh no, I should believe this uh, is also the way you treat other people that they should believe what I believe because I'm, I'm doing my best to believe this so other people should not put that in, in danger um, and so I'm and here is where I'm getting to the, the, this question like, is it okay to, to uh, consume content that might be the ob- stand for a, a message that is opposite of what my own faith tells me? I'm going to tell you what I'm currently doing. And this is something that I'm actually um, still learning from this process. And I really have to thank TikTok mostly for this is just that so many people have crossed my path thanks to this particular platform that um, stand for totally different values that I stand for. Look at faith, look at the Bible in a very different way. To give you some examples, and I've mentioned these people before, that I follow a whole slew of people that are not Catholic, and yet they are just as passionate about Bible studies as I am. They ask the same big questions in life, but they have different answers. They talk about a different tradition. For me, that is so eye-opening. Because in real life, when do you ever speak to these people? They go to their churches on Sunday morning. I go to my church. When I go to my church, afterwards, I speak with other fellow Catholics. But I don't have, you know, big faith conversations with Protestant brothers and sisters, with people from, you know, even non-Christian uh, beliefs because if of course, I'm not against that when when do you have when do you make time to have that conversation so that's what I love about TikTok you can still kind of have a certain dialogue even though you're just watching videos that have been recorded at another moment but but these because these videos are oftentimes very personal you still get a very good insight in what what's in on people's minds and why they believe what they believe in so I'm following um, Dan McClellan, who is, um, used to be a Mormon uh, scholar. Um, it, he, he keeps it to himself, what he currently believes in, but his motto is data above dogma. And it's a, kind of a, a, a revision of what a lot of people believe about uh, Bible texts and certain words. And he's a very um, learned scholar, and a, a lot of his criticism um, on, on people that just uh, falsify, basically, the Bible and say, well, this is what the Bible says. And he's like, okay, which part of the Bible? <laughs> you can, any part of the Bible can say anything because you have to be always aware that uh, you're in negotiation with the text. You add your own perspective. And oftentimes the Bible is used to serve our goals, our, 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 our function as an identity marker, whatever. Or maybe even when it comes to the way in which we have organized the world, we often use the Bible to justify that. Think of slavery. How, how long throughout history 
hasn't the Bible been used to justify inequality? Um, and some people being able to, uh, to rule over others. Uh, there's so many examples of that. And he says, I'm not going to tell you what you should believe, but just be aware, be, be conscious of the fact that what you think the Bible says is actually what you say, and you just pick and choose parts from the Bible that fit what you, your own interest. That, for me, has been so refreshing, that point of view. And he's very open in this. Like, if, if, if you ever notice that I'm using um, uh, my, my personal bias and that I'm not intellectually honest, tell me. And, you know, challenge me. That's, I think, a very good academic, intellectual attitude to have. Um, another person that I follow is um, this. Is, she's called the Nerdy Priest. And she is a priest in the Episcopal Church in, on a campus in, 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 I think, in the Ural, USA. I'm not even sure where she is. Um, and uh, she's very much like me, if interested in the Lord of the Rings and popular culture, um, is a very extroverted person in the way she speaks, um, and has very strong opinions about, uh, about faith, about her own church, and about other churches. And part of that passion that she displays in her videos is because she came from um, a very strict evangelical upbringing. And it's after... I think a personal intellectual conversion that she stepped away from that. Her parents are still very, very dogmatic. And so she is constantly in, in a dialogue, I think, with her background. But I think it's fascinating. And I think it's, it's laudable that someone shares those very personal thoughts and this, also this intellectual aspect of it with anyone on TikTok. You make yourself very vulnerable when you do that. Um, I follow, I've mentioned this before, a number of people that have actually stepped away altogether from their Christian faith because of trauma, because of so, so many reasons, also just because they, they don't believe anymore what um, they've always been taught. And so very, uh, all very relatable to a certain extent and I think very courageous. Um, I'm now, just recently, I've started to follow a number of ex-Mormons because I realize I don't know that much about Mormonism. Um, and maybe some of you are, um, that's part of your uh, worldview and faith that you, you belong to. So maybe you, you tell me, well, don't just listen to ex-Mormons. <laughs> that would be just as same as, hello as listening to ex-Catholics to form an opinion of what that church is about. I'm aware of that, but I follow these people mostly because I'm interested in their journey. How can they, how did they come to that decision? How do they rationalize um, them stepping away from certain traditions and, and a certain culture? And what is substituting it? What do people believe in? Even if they say, well, I'm now agnostic or atheist, that's still a belief. So I'm interested in that. And so this is how I look at a lot of things um, when it comes to media. Uh, and, and maybe it's my academic background, but I'm thinking, if, if my faith is about 
ultimately is a, is a, is a quest for the truth. And the truth can, can only be one. Uh, then why would I be afraid of, of, of following people that are seeking that same truth, that are, still, that are also looking for answers? And how can an, an opinion that is different from mine, how can that destroy what I believe in if what I believe in is the truth? Um, so this is, I, I realize, is a very philosophical attitude. It's like, okay, examine everything and uh, let's not get into a, a frenzy when someone is not, doesn't agree with me, but be open to question everything and also question yourself. Now, to a certain extent, this is scary sometimes because I, I listen to a lot of the, not to mention all the books that I've read this, these past two, three years, where I'm discovering so much science, psychology, insights, etc., that actually do also challenge my own view on aspects of morality, on certain teachings of the Catholic Church that I belong to. And I say challenge. It doesn't mean that I don't believe these things, but it is a challenge. Like, does it... Does it um, can it withstand criticism from modern insights in psychology and science or not? There have been a lot of times in the history of the church where the church has, and I'm talking when I say the church, I say the Catholic Church, which kind of shows how much I am part of that subculture to a certain extent. Um, but in the past, the Catholic Church has had to revise. A, a lot of well, some of their views, some of their worldviews, some of their views on science, on because you look at the reality of uh, what science tells us, and you you realize, well, wait a minute, maybe what I said wasn't actually um, as as true as I thought it was, and well, w- the Catholic Church has always tried, not not always, but definitely tries to be open to science um, and to there cannot be um, a discord between science and faith they're both serving the same quest for truth so um, and I like that I like that very much about the Catholic faith this is open this openness but that's in theory in in practice in reality you often encounter a lot of narrow-mindedness and also a lot of I would say distortion of the truth because people are not aware that they are actually imposing their own views onto the Bible and even onto the tradition of the church and thereby they are not truly intellectually honest. They're, they're picking and choosing stuff from the tradition, from church history to prove what they ultimately believe in themselves. And I don't think that that is a very... Um, beneficial attitude. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to help you in finding the truth. If you can only uphold your own faith by protecting it from anything that goes against it, then how solid is it really? And this, this brings me back to the beginning of this conversation. If 
the only way for you to be strong in your faith, as they say, is by throwing away anything that could just remotely question what you believe in. You have to ask yourself, so how strong is my faith, actually? How honest am I to the world around me, to myself, when I see so many other people and points of view as a threat? Isn't this what is currently derailing political debate so much? Is that we are all in our own bunker of truth. And we feel that anyone who doesn't agree 100% with us is per definition a threat, an enemy, someone I should not only exclude from my life, but even I should fight those people. <laughs> they should be eradicated. This is a very slippery slope, I think. So this is why in this show and in my videos, I always feel like I'm, it's a balancing act. I, I know that it is not fair to start a, um, a discussion about fundamental topics if you can't follow up. So it's, it wouldn't be fair if I said, well, you know what, I don't agree with uh, certain aspects of Catholic theology with regards to human relationships and sexuality because I've read a couple of psychology books. You know, that, that, that wouldn't be intellectually fair because then I would uproot a lot of, <laughs> a lot of beliefs and at the same time I was like, no, no, I'd rather talk about Star Wars and anime. You see? So, but it doesn't mean that I shouldn't personally investigate and try to learn and to a certain extent also suspend my own judgment. This is why I'm trying to be so uh, careful in the way I talk about um, what my bishop has written in his book. First of all, I think I haven't read it, so I can't truly review it. Uh, secondly, um, it's, uh, it's a discussion. I'm still in the process of thinking about these topics. It's not my area of expertise. I've never been a moral theologian. I'm not a psychologist. But I have, a, I have, I have the feeling that there's much more to this whole issue. That is super important. Let's make no mistake. I don't, think, I don't say that we shouldn't talk about these issues or that it's not something that the church should, should reflect upon. But I do believe because it's so important that you need to take your time. And... Uh, this is how I was brought up, as I explained. You have to be able to give reasons for what you say and for what you believe. And if you are not there yet, that's okay. So I'm allowing myself, and I hope that you do the same when it comes to your own, you know, the things in your life. Give yourself permission to just think about it. It's like, I don't know yet. It's okay to not know. It's okay to... It doesn't mean that you are weak in your faith or you're not faithful enough. Don't let anyone tell that. Because it's, it's the humility, I think, that, that pertains to someone who tries to be intellectually honest. It means there is more that I don't know than that there is that I do know. And until I understand a little bit better, I'm not going to judge. Or you can always put the disclaimer right now 
where I am in life, knowing what I know and having read what I've read, my current opinion is this and this. And that may not be entirely what someone else says, etc. But I'm always ready to learn. I'm always ready to revise my opinion if my insight grows. I think that is the best attitude. And so it's the opposite of a fearful attitude. Like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk about these topics. Or I'm so afraid to say something that goes against the teachings of the church, etc. That, for me, for a long time has been a question. As a priest, I have a certain responsibility but I believe that it's very Catholic to say that you don't know <laughs> and that you ask questions. And I believe that the church should be a safe place where you can voice those questions, where you can ask what you want to know, where you can even express your doubts. There's nothing wrong with people doubting. Even great saints like Mother Teresa and so many other mystics in the church have had these times in their lives where they 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 didn't know anymore what they believed they didn't even know if it was true what was what had been guiding their life up until that moment and that's okay the dark night of the soul not exactly this but it's i think a very important concept in faith that sometimes you're just in the dark and that's okay because you are not the light you're looking for the light. You're searching for the light. Someone else is the light. And if you don't understand, if you don't know, then it's okay to say that. And at the same time, turn it into a prayer. Enlighten me. Help me to learn. Help me to be open. Because I don't have to rely on shutting out anyone or anything that I'm afraid of. But I am not afraid because you are with me. And you are the one who ultimately enlightens me through your wisdom. Anyway, ooh, that sounds like the finale of a, of a homily. This was a little bit longer than I normally talk to you uh, here on the walk, but I hope I was able to, to uh, explain my own attitude in this and, and to reassure you if you're struggling sometimes with questions like these. Um, I will continue... Uh, for a few more minutes here um, during the the final mile or the the, the extra mile for my patrons. Um, so thank you uh, for listening. If you have the opportunity to join the patron community and support my work, then I gladly invite you to go over to patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Woo! So much wind here all of a sudden. <laughs> but um, again, thanks for listening and we'll talk soon.